Hey Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better. and welcome back to the post-Easter edition. Welcome back to the post-Easter edition. What am I saying? Welcome to the... (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, Matt's going to have a fun time editing this. Welcome to A Little Better. I'm Aaron and I don't know how to speak even though it's what I do for a living. How are you, Drew? Please rescue me. (laughs) Uh, I can't. Only Jesus can. Especially with that intro. Anyway, I'm doing well. Easter was amazing. Yes. Hallelujah. Yeah. Easter, I mean, I feel like there's so many things we could talk about post Easter, but it's, there's some sense in which before we get to like what we know about what God did and um, what we know to be true as a result of yesterday, um, I would, I just wanted to talk a little bit about strategy in church world. One of the things that it can, you would assume is like, oh, pastors, you know, Easter's the big day. And then like, you know, big letdown and that, that's kind of the, that's kind of it. But um, a lot of a lot of people that we follow sort of talk about the week after Easter as a really important one. So talk a little bit about that and how you how you think about it. Yeah, it's a hard thing about Easter is like, you know, Christmas, you're like you get to Christmas Eve services and you're like, yeah, vacation, celebrate Christmas. Easter's like, no, Easter's like the Super Bowl. You're like, yeah, this is amazing. Wait, I got to preach Sunday again. Like, holy <laughs> smokes, and it's, it's a big deal. So. The way we strategize Easter is we usually end a series on Easter. So we're going to try to bring intrigue into people's hearts and then promo what we're going to be talking about next week to bring people back. So what we did, you know, this weekend, many people saw it. We finished All Rise. Um, But what's interesting is like we try to make that ending almost like a standalone message, but fit in with the series. And then we promote a really, I I think, uh, relevant topic with the the battle in our mind, mental health. And so uh, a series called The Mind Game. I'm I'm pretty pumped. We're talking about depression this weekend. So something that maybe we all had to deal with in this 2020-21 season. And so I think it's going to be a pretty powerful series. That's that's how we strategize it. I know some churches, they go with the like, hey, we're going to start a series on Easter and hopefully Mm -hmm. it draws people. And we've done both. And so we go back and forth, but we know this week coming up is a huge week of growth, of getting people to come back. And so I'm excited. Yeah. There's a sense in which the goal is not, the goal is not for people to come to church, period. The goal is for people to know and love Jesus, make more and better disciples. But if you think about people coming to church as correlated with their spiritual growth, then the week after Easter is sort of like the real test case, right? Like, cause anybody can fill up an auditorium doing almost anything, you know, you can get people to come to an event, but like, how do you encourage, how do you so inspire and try to work in what God is doing in people's lives such that they don't just come once that they come again, or that they come, of course, may mean digitally, you know, like show up, um, however they're engaging. So, yeah, I think that this, the Sunday after Easter has its own different kind of, of implications in that sense. So that's cool. And mind game should be fun. We're still trying to figure out how we're going to handle the podcast during some of this. Um, we've talked about either having guests or just doing things a little bit differently because we recognize that with something like depression, neither of us are experts. So either getting different kinds of voices in could be helpful. And then um, I'm going to get to speak in this series, got some stuff coming up um, in that way as well. So anyway, point is looking forward to what's coming, but let's talk about uh, yesterday. Yesterday was an awesome Sunday. It was strange for me, I'll say, to not have extra services. Typically, we are adding services on Easter. So it feels like, oh, man, so many things. It was so tiring. It was kind of like, well, yeah, 
it was more tiring for me because I was wearing a suit jacket, which means I was sweating a lot more, but um, there's the same number of services. So it wasn't that weird. Yeah. I, I talked to some of the guys from Webster and they were like, Oh man, it was so much three services. I'm like, give me a break, bro. We do that every <laughs> weekend. I forgot they dropped that first service. Webster's only doing two these days. I forgot about that. And I'm they, like, I'm sorry you didn't get to sleep in this weekend, right? Oh, that's work. Funny. Yeah, you hear that, Nate Miller? I'm calling you out, bro. I'm calling you where out. Life no. is Where life is worth living out in Webster, I guess. Huh? <laughs> it was interesting, you know, because normally we probably would have added a service, but is this weird COVID like who's coming and we don't know what to expect. Mm. And, you know, there was a lot of people watching online. And so I was actually pleasantly surprised at the turnout. I don't know the exact numbers, but I know our eight 30 was full or nine 45 was full and our 11, you know, was full. And so it felt great. Yeah. And I was, I was happy at the Rochester campus in particular, we had asked, and I mean, we had asked this at all of our campuses. I could just only speak to obviously the campus that I'm at. We had asked folks to come to the 830 service. Nate Miller had done the same thing. And I just was seeing that room continue to full, fill up, you know, um, at 830 in the morning when normally it's, you know, a third, it's, it's half as many people as another service. Um, it was just really cool to, to see people kind of answer that call and, and be there super early. It was, it was almost, it felt like the shout out to the sunrise service. You know what I mean? Like all these people coming early. So I don't, know, was, I don't think you give the eight 30 enough credit. You guys, listen, if you go to the eight 30, listen, you, I, I believe in you and you guys have been growing that camp or that service each and every week. So I don't know, it might, it might be the new thing. Like eight 30 is the place to be. Yeah, especially with, you know, as the weather maybe gets nicer, people are looking to do the, of course, obviously they're going to serve one, attend one, serve one. So they're going to go to the 830 and then serve the 945 naturally, as and everyone you can does. And be on the lake by like 1130. So you have lunch mm-hmm. on the lake. So no excuses during summer. I'm just saying you heard it from yeah. us first. Depending which lake you're talking about. Uh, well, no, I guess they could leave and get to one of them. They could certainly be to Lake Ontario by 1130. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, although when most people say going to the lake, I don't think they're imagining Lake Ontario. Is it safe to swim in? We don't know. <laughs> but okay, dude, this apothecary, what a cool cabinet. That story is ridiculous. And I'm sure you wanted people walking away talking about Jesus, but there were probably people asking you about when they can buy that piece of furniture off you in the lobby. <laughs> yeah, it was a wild story. And my wife is still excited about it. And we look at it every day as we sit in our living room. And it's interesting. Someone was like, what are you, what are you putting all those drawers? I was like, it's actually just become a toy chest because I was going to ask kids just open those random drawers. I'm telling you, you can find everything from a tiny little toy to a dried out apple core to who knows. It's like a magical you pull out. You never know what you're going to get. Wow. And dude, like, I'm just realizing what a nightmare that would be if a kid put like their like favorite sleeping, you know, stuffed animal or whatever. And you're like pulling out all 112 drawers. <laughs> oh, that's a nightmare. I hadn't thought about it from that angle. Never mind. I don't want one anymore. <laughs> please, please no. But um, I'm not going to lie. If I were Ashley or you, I would be pretty tempted to uh, enjoy it for another year and then make like two thousand dollars and sell it well, I, like when my wife brought it home i was like babe do you want to just sell this and make some money right now like i'm i'm game to do that let's let's do that and she's like 
are you kidding me, Drew? She was like insulted that I asked the question. I was like, babe, uh, this is too good to be true. Not because we get to look at the nice piece of furniture, because we can make money off this thing. Like, we can sell it and buy three dressers, right? But no. You can sell it and buy a set of weights. <laughs> so every once in a while, I play... By the way, that's not funny, Aaron. It's not funny. <laughs> uh, every once in a while, I'm like, babe, what if someone gave you this much for this? Mm. Would you sell it? You know, and like trying to find like what her threshold is, like how much, how, how many dollars worth do you love this? What I have to post it on Facebook marketplace to, to, to sell it. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my goodness. But anyway, that was a great illustration of the idea of something being too good to be true. And I do think like, I can definitely picture, you know, after a court case, people running to their car after, you know, rocking on the courtroom steps and all the media is asking them questions and stuff. There's just always responses to high profile cases. And so that's kind of a different angle on this story. But as you said, it was able to sort of stand on, on its own for someone who was just jumping into the series for the first time. Um, by the way, I'm a skeptic of those two categories, no surprise, but I, I definitely raised my hand. In fact, I might've said amen for the first time in a sermon. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> Bro, all right. Hey, you know, what are you going to do? I don't think you need to tell anybody you're a skeptic, by the way. I think everybody just naturally assumed that. Um, but I'm sorry also that you've never got an Easter basket. Yeah, I don't, again, I don't know. I was talking to my parents about that. They were actually in town this week, which was pretty unique for my dad, who's a pastor, to be at our house the week of the week of Easter. That was kind of cool. But we were talking about it. And I think that that's true. But be again, it was like we just did different things. It wasn't, we didn't do the chocolate route for whatever reason. Although I say all that and she got, my mom got our boys chocolate for Easter. So maybe she does like the grandkids more than us. I don't really know. But um, yeah, so the different, I loved jumping into the message, thinking about how do we respond to what happened to the courtroom? The responses for the believers, I think were really great. Telling everyone and living differently. Um, both of those are convicting realities. And I think living differently is the one to me that, um, is so vivid when uh, you think about what was done in the courtroom. You know what I mean? If you've been let off for some kind of a terrible crime it, on, under these really crazy circumstances, like don't go back <laughs> to the same pattern you were doing before. Like you've been given such a ridiculously amazing second chance thinking of it in terms of the court. Like don't go back to whatever crime it was that you committed that got you in here in the first place. Um, but obviously that's not my story. I definitely return to my sin, despite the fact that God has freed us from it. So I think the, the motivation needs to be there, the more we recognize what God has done for us. Right. And I think part of the problem is what we talked about in weeks one and two is I don't think we think we're that bad, right? Mm. That's why we had to like sit in the, in our badness is because until you realize how bad you were, you don't realize what you've been freed from. And when you realize what you've been freed from and how bad it was, the whole purpose of that is so you don't go back to it, right? Mm -hmm. But we do. That's And I think the reason why we do is because we never sit in the awfulness of who we were and what we were before Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we, we have to do that as ugly and hard as it is until you realize how bad of a criminal you were you're going to go back to it and back to it and back to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we got, we got to live differently as a result of what God has done. And of course, telling everyone if 
I, depending on what crime I had committed, I'm not sure that I would want to be telling her like, you wouldn't believe what crime I got away with. <laughs> but I think the idea that I'm not getting a death sentence and instead I'm living as a free citizen with, you know, the rights of royalty, like that would certainly be something that would come up in casual conversation from time to time, I would imagine. <laughs> well, even just the, the, what gets me is how often I will recommend something. I'm a, I'm a big recommender. So like, I love tools. I love restaurants. And I'm constantly telling people about like my experience, you know, what I liked, a tool that changed the way I do stuff. Like I'm, I'm always like, dude, you should get this or you should go here. Yeah. But like when it comes to inviting church, I don't know why there's this big hesitation. There's this big fear. And it's like, why, like, why, why am I like that? Like, this is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. And for some reason, I'm, I'm just cautious. I'm, I'm, I'm not cautious about recommending anything, but Jesus, mm. it's weird. I don't know why that is. And yeah. I think it's the enemy. He just tries to fill our heads with doubt and we just got to go for it. Yeah. And I, I even think about it sometimes too, as I dig into what, why, what makes me hesitant. I think part of it is when I say I like a restaurant, I am making a subjective judgment on something that you can't disagree with me on. Mm-hmm. I liked the restaurant. It is what it is. You can go and hate it. That's fine. I still like it no matter what you think about it. So it's in some senses, our ego is not involved because you can go to the restaurant and be like, dude, that was the worst restaurant I've ever heard of. And I'm like, okay, then you're the worst. <laughs> like I don't have, there's no, there's no other reality I have to deal with. But when it comes to faith, I'm saying I have come across a thing that is objectively true. It very likely disagrees with what you believe. And Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, even though I'm being subtle and gracious about it, I am at the end of the day saying like, you're kind of wrong and I'm right. So that's just, it's a more awkward thing. But at the same time, we don't have to present it in casual conversation, especially with people that we're getting to know. We don't have to present the reality of Jesus as like, on in your face objective reality. We can we can talk about the reason for the hope that is in us. Like that is a subjective thing of like, hey man, Jesus has changed my life. Like I it's just a it's just a thing for me, you know, and leaving it in the realm of not to say that there's no follow-up conversations there, because there have to be at some point. You have to get to the objective reality of the gospel. But subjectively, we don't have to make it all about where this conversation is going to go, you know, 10 conversations from now. For right right now, I'm just telling you, hey, I love Jesus, he's changed my life, and I'm there's nothing, there's no experience you could have with Jesus that's going to change that fact about me. And what makes your invite even more attractive is that second response, right? That you are living differently. Like people mm. notice the change in you. And then when you invite, they're like, hmm, you're right. There is something different about you. It's awkward when you're like, hey, you should come check out my church. It's amazing. God has changed my life. And they're like, hmm, you changed your life? In what way? <laughs> yeah. well, and again, maybe some, sometimes that happens just because of differences of beliefs. Like, I don't actually like what God's done in your life because, mm. you know, I disagree with it. That's going to happen. But I do think, it's like I said, some of the evidence and in, in the attraction of the invite that we make is people seeing the difference that we went from criminal to co-heirs and they see that tangible difference of what Jesus has done. We're more loving, we're more kind, we're more gracious, right? Those are things that most people you interact with are going to like and enjoy about you, not be repelled from you, but they have to be true about you. And Mm -hmm. if they are, that makes your invite even more enticing. Right, right. Those two responses work hand in hand. And that's where, you know, your point, does your life validate the truth of the resurrection? That's like, 
is is by the way that you're living, are you making it clear that Christ has a kind of power that's mm-hmm. unique to him um, yeah. through the power of the resurrection? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, dude, I loved in John chapter 20, that's the story of uh, Thomas, sometimes called Doubting Thomas. He's a twin. Um, and th- it goes right into a section that you made this connection, but I just felt like it was just a really special part of your message. Um, Thomas is not believing. He's going through saying, I don't believe, I don't believe. Jesus shows up, lets him experience in physical reality the fact that he's alive. Tom, in verse 28, Thomas says to him, my Lord and my God, aka a statement of belief, I've experienced it, now I know. Jesus responds to him with this kind of this subtle dig. It's not a dig, but it's definitely a, it's encouraging to us because we're on the good side of it. But he says, Jesus says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. So he's shouting out to ultimately future generations of people that will never see Jesus, that will never even see somebody who saw Jesus and yet have still believed. And then the next thing that John writes is Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of disciples. Again, again, talking, this is eyewitness stuff. He did lots of other things that we saw, which are not recorded in this book. Um, But these are written the ones that John chose to write down, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. So, hey, I, Jesus is saying, blessed are those who never even see. And John's like, yep, and that's true. And just so you know, I wrote down as much as I saw so that you could be one of those people who is blessed to believe without having seen. John is um, trust my word. My eyes be your eyes, right? Like, mm, I know you're good. tangibly not going to see it, but I want you to see it through what I saw, right? And mm. there's the evidence of the the truth of the resurrection. And I also think, you know, not only I think Christ digging at Thomas, obviously, but what's interesting is Thomas really just takes the same journey that Mary and the other disciples did. They all saw, right? So he's really talking to all of them. Like you all got to see me, you know, blessed are you that you believe awesome. But like some people aren't going to get a chance to see my actual body after I am raised from the dead. But blessed are those. I, this is a huge encouragement to people like me who in the midst, like, hey, I think we both can admit we have doubts, right? Like, you know, we doubt things. Like, I'm a skeptic, even though I'm a believer, like I'm a big high trust guy. I have doubts. Like 2020, there are some doubts in there where it's like, but again, it's that peace that God brings. He's like, I came to bring peace. Peace be with you. And I just think in the midst of my doubts, there's a peace knowing he's alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. I, I love that you're saying, you know, we have doubts. I think that that's definitely true. But there is a blessing that comes from being in the part of the generation where we don't have the advantage of physical sight but we do continue to walk by faith and not by the sight that other people were granted. And it's cool, you know, to read about in first Corinthians 15, Paul talks about the resurrection and he's like, and he appeared to Cephas and to the rest of the 12 and da, 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 and to four, 500 people at once. And if you want to know more about it, just go talk to them. They're all still alive. <laughs> like, I love that there was a time in world history as he's writing them of just like, I don't know what to tell you. Just go talk to them. Like, if you don't believe me, they literally experienced it. So what do you want from me? And today we're obviously having to rely on eyewitness accounts from the first century, thousands of years ago. But in some ways we bring a level of skepticism to first century documents that are included in the Bible. We bring more skepticism to those than most even like historians bring to other first century ancient documents. They take it for 
granted that this or that was true during the Roman Empire, um, but we have skepticism, obviously because of the radical claims of what the New Testament says and then also means if it's true. If it's true, if Jesus is alive, there's like, wow, this is going to be the, the whole, my whole world has to change, which understandably brings a level of skepticism with it. Right. And even how we naturally throw off, like we have first century accounts. It's like, that's a big deal, right? That's yeah. amazing. Like that's mm. not just like a, oh, that's a significant piece of, you know, not only history, but evidence yeah. of the reality of like, I'm sure people throughout history claim some pretty radical stuff, but guess what happened? it died out. Like mm-hmm. people didn't give their lives up to mm-hmm. like tell the world, you know, John wasn't like, Hey, I wrote this so you can believe, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to give like the disciples gave their lives up. So people throughout history, you know, fast forward the tape to 2021, right. We would be talking about it on a podcast, right. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, it's unbelievable. And yet we, we, we ignore that, that truth mm-hmm. so many times of like how amazing the, our Bible is. Yeah. And I love how Andy Stanley says the, the disciples uh, didn't give their life for what they believed. They gave their life for what they saw. And I think that that's like a, it's a cool distinction. That sort of seems like you're saying the same thing, but what he's saying is like, it wasn't just some, like we have come to believe in a, a myth or like a religious system of thought or something like we've come. No, we just, like he was dead and then he was alive and we actually saw it. So like, yeah, we're, we're pretty stoked about it. <laughs> and basically if he predicts his own death, death and he can pull it off, I'm with that guy, you know? So I love his approach to describing how important the resurrection is. Cause I do think so often we talk about the cross as the work of Jesus, like what Jesus did for us on the cross, because of course, and we talked about it in week three, that's where our payment was settled. And that's really amazing, but literally none of it's valid and none of it matters if he doesn't come back to life. And so that's why Easter is such a huge deal because it is the work itself wasn't done through Easter. The work itself was completed through Easter. And even in the disciples, like you see this natural change after Easter in the disciples. So like for us and Jesus being fully God and, and giving us the victory, that's primary. Right. But like, even in the disciples, like once they see Jesus, it was like this seal. It was like this, mm. boom. like, it's like their minds exploded. Like, wow, this is what he was talking about. Holy smokes. He's alive. Like, and then boom, the church just took off. It's like this pinnacle moment, not just for our faith and who Jesus is, but like the springboard for the disciples and for early first century followers like, yo, we've got to take this to the world. Right. And then yeah. we jump into acts. Absolutely. And that's probably a good place to wrap it up. Wrap it up. I mean, if we're going to end the Easter, the one after the podcast after Easter should probably be on the amazingness of the resurrection. So <laughs> thanks for that. And next week we're kicking off mind game. We're super excited about that. Talking about depression. There's, so much more than we could ever cover in one week, but we will hopefully at least get the conversation started. We plan to offer some helpful resources for people who are in that dark place, um, trying to you know navigate the, the difficulty of uh, depression with them. So looking forward to it. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, question, comments, concerns, as always, can go to podcast at northridgerochester.com or just reach out to me and Drew directly. That's totally fine. Whatever is easiest and most helpful. We want to walk with you during this time. Thank you everybody. And we will see you next week.